spring break. That's right. You are listening to Putting Out. I'm Fiona. And I'm Aria. And we're here to break down the love lives of 20-somethings, one guest at a time. We are back at it again. It's been a while. How we, are you all doing? I hope everyone's doing well. Got some good stories from the last couple months. I know. So much happened over the break, you it's know? It's true. It's pretty great. We've, we're a lot more experienced than we were a month ago. <laughs> and we can't wait to tell you all about it. We will. We will tell you all about it. But... Today we have the lovely Joanne. Um, and Joanne, can you tell us your ASL? I am 25, female, living in Los Angeles. Beautiful. So today we'll be talking with Joanne about the long college ritual of hooking up while abroad. Sleeping your way across the other continents. Getting a little oh, bit of yes. culture, <laughs> as we like to call it. <laughs> Some intimate culture. Some very intimate culture. So before we delve into that, we're going to start with our tradition of This Week in Sex. So our article comes from Elle magazine, and it is called... Stop Trying to Choke Me, the Effect of Rough Sex exactly. on Culture. Exactly. So basically, this article um, it like tells the story of a couple different females that, that, are, that the author and some of her friends have experienced, in which case they are having sex with men either for the first time or like, um, like ongoing, and there have been signs of rough sex, whether it's been like choking or slapping or things like that that um, were not given opportunities for consent ahead of time. And the author is basically trying to, co- or the writer is basically trying to correlate these rough sex acts um, as something related to porn. So what did we think of this article? So yeah, the main question of the article is, is porn changing the way a generation of men is having sex? Like, do men assume that these elements of rough sex are um, fair game and do not require, like, consent or a check-in because of how it's portrayed in porn? I just thought it was really interesting. I think the one story that really stuck out to me in this article was actually... One of her friends was having sex with this guy, and he just kind of slapped her across the face, and it was, like, not spoken about beforehand. It was just, like, a very, like, jarring experience, Mm -hmm. and one of the things she said was actually, like, at the moment, it wasn't traumatizing as much. It was just, like, whoa. Like, jarring? Yeah, it was just, like, jarring at the moment, but she's, like... But I wasn't able to have sex for months after that. You yeah, know, like that she was, it had left some kind of trauma. Yeah, mm-hmm. it left like a lot of trauma on her. So I thought that was just like really interesting, and that's like one thing of this article that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I totally agree with this article in the case that like if you're going to do something like that, like consent should always be the first thing, or there should always be open communication. Like you should never assume that you can just like choke somebody <laughs> or like hit them. Um, however, I don't necessarily think that the presence of this in porn is necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's not being done in the best way, but I also like really firmly believe that porn allows people to like, um, have distant relationships with kinks that they wouldn't normally experience or like Mm -hmm. feelings that they may have already had and like had either shame about or didn't have enough knowledge about and that porn can kind of open up a door you know obviously it's not necessarily an educational purpose right but it can at least like allow people to feel more like sure about their own kinks and about their own situation um in which case i don't really have a problem with there being porn that includes rough sex and oftentimes these things are labeled like a while ago we talked about the porn hub um yearly survey survey thing and they talked about how rough sex has been like skyrocketed in the u.s as like a search term so clearly people are interested in this 
Um, but obviously consent is key and you should never slap someone without getting their okay. No one slap me across the face because I probably will slap you right back. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's going to no be No matter what night. the situation. Yeah, no matter what yeah. the situation is, I will probably, reflexes will kick in for sure. Totally. Um, I just thought it was like, it's interesting because it's like porn is, there's like a part where they talk about like kink discovery. Right. Um, which I think is super important. Like you just said, you know, like it's really important like for people to like kind of watch things and like see how things work. But porn does like fail at showing like the more logistic side of things. Like, right. Hey, like there's a safe word and there Mm -hmm. is this Mm -hmm. and you need to make sure you talk to your partner before you kind of delve into this like adventure. So I do think that like, yeah, like attributing it to porn is giving porn a little too much credit. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like there's, there's a lie. Well, does, does porn hold the responsibility of teaching people how to properly, like how to properly explore these kinks or how to properly have sex? Like, should there always be like very clear scenes of consent happening? Like, especially in like rape fantasy or gangbang, like, like, porn like how much responsibility does porn have to their audience to be that kind of educational purpose if any yeah yeah that's so true because ultimately like they could argue that it's just a fantasy and that like they're not there to teach the public and that maybe sex ed should be doing that but that's laughable i mean United States sex ed. Can you imagine like a sex ed class where they're like, "Okay, kids, so a safe word is like, yeah. just, like I feel like that wouldn't go over very well." I don't see it. Happening. Did your sex ed experiences ever talk about porn? Because when we were in sex ed, I mean, the internet was around, right? People, I'm sure, people our age were watching porn. Mm-hmm. So, do they ever talk about porn? I don't think mine did. Did they ever mention porn? I went to Catholic school, so we didn't even have sex ed. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no. (laughs) They definitely did not. Like, my sex ed experience was, like, watching the movie of how a baby is made and then birthed and then everyone feeling Mm -hmm. really disgusting after they saw, like, a vaginal birth. Like, very scientific, not talking about the social aspect or the ethical aspect. the sperm and the egg meat. Yeah, totally. Not But with a tone of, like, morality. Yeah. Yeah, I know, well, the limited amount of quote-unquote sex ed that was, it was like, this is how your reproductive system works. It wasn't like, yeah. Yeah. So it was very, like, scientific. So obviously, like, at least in our experiences, our sex eds have failed us, so to speak. But, and I'm not saying that necessarily I think that porn doesn't hold a responsibility, but, like, is porn the opportunity to make up for these flaws? Like, I don't know if that's necessarily their responsibility. It might be a cop-out. But is that also, like, letting them get away with making these things without realizing the the possible consequences that come with putting this this media out there? Hmm. Yeah. Lots Hmm. to digest there. Readers, what do you think? Tweet us. Tweet us what you think. Um... And yeah, I mean, I personally have never had an experience, whereas, like, if I'm in the bedroom with someone and they just, like, kind of do something yeah. and I'm, like, mm-hmm. not consenting to it, like, I've never personally had that experience. Like, have either of you, like, I just, there's, like, a, a line here where I'm, like, I've never been in that, so I don't necessarily know, like, if the blame is to be, where the blame is to be put, you know? Yeah, I've had a guy, like, reach for my neck and, like, not, like, choke me, but, like, like, basically like giving the option like if I wanted it and Mm. it was super easy for me to just like 
shake off and that was it and then you try again it was like it was easy so that I didn't really mind because like it was like it wasn't obviously it wasn't like verbal consent but it was very clear that he was like checking in to see if that's something Mm -hmm. that I wanted and like when I like shook it off it was no big deal yeah so as it should have been so yeah this article started with the writer talking about her personal experiences with someone she used to date and she wrote that from the get-go he said I am aggressive i'm dominant and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think the takeaway from i mean this article touched on so many different things like the unconscious trauma that we all have from our first sexual experiences to the porn industry um but i think my takeaway is it's important to communicate totally and he did communicate Mm -hmm. that's true and if she said later on that she's not okay with it then he should have never continued I think that maybe they should have gone into a little bit more detail. Like she was like, okay, I'm open to that, but we need to talk about where my boundaries are. Cause I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think you're allowed to be like, some aggression is okay. Some aggression is not okay. For example, like I am totally cool with having my hair pulled. Like I'm super into that, but I'm like not into choking, which is like, it's all like forms of aggression, but I'm allowed to like pick and choose what I'm okay with. Absolutely. You know? So I think that maybe just like that kind of blanket statement of like, I like aggressive sex maybe isn't enough, you know? Yeah. Be I a agree. little more specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by aggressive? And you can make this like a sexy conversation. You can make it like a, oh, tell me what you're into kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a great opportunity. I mean, hopefully it doesn't end up in like, I like all these things. Oh no, I don't like any of those as like a total rejection situation. But like, hopefully this can be like a really open conversation for both of you to share. And I hope it would, you would feel comfortable enough to have that type of conversation with someone that is considering choking you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But then you may, then according to this article, you may not know. That's very true. Yeah. So you may or may not know. Got to check up on that. Yeah. So according to this article, a woman might, a woman who watches porn might, especially from a young age, might think that, oh, I'm supposed to enjoy rough sex. Like, Mm -hmm. this is normal. Mm -hmm. This is supposed to be okay. Like, I'm supposed to enjoy this because every female adult performer Mm -hmm. acts like they love it when they're being choked and spanked and having their hair pulled. Right. And it's about knowing what is right for you. Yeah. Totally. Some people are into it and some people aren't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's, I mean, but do we blame porn for this because it is like a very fantastical type of industry where they're not supposed to like recognize that like there are rules to these things Mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of really wonderful feminist porn but either you have to really dig to find it or it costs money in which case people who are just kind of figuring out their sexuality like may not even know that that's an option um which in those porn there may or in those like movies there may be more opportunities for consent and for open communication just because it's kind of made with a feminist mindset um but they might be just looking for, like, or finding random things on Pornhub or, like, it's totally, like, strangely filtered based off of what they can Google for free. So that's also something to think about is, like, accessibility. I wish this article talked more about female-focused porn and mm. porn that is marketed to females. Yeah. Feminist-focused porn because I feel like that's niche content right now, but it's going to grow because of... You know, the popularity of feminism as a topic and social media and with millennials and... Yeah, and, like, also the... I feel like, at least in our community or whatever, that it's become... Or, like, in our experiences, it's become, like, more open for women to talk about watching porn and, therefore, like, more okay for women to watch porn. Absolutely. Um, Which may not have necessarily been the case for 
other generations or anything like that. So um, now that we're like feeling a little bit freer to talk about it, then people are realizing that it's like a market, you know? Yeah. No, totally. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting read. Yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot that you could probably dig in. Um, I definitely think that we didn't love every aspect of the article, but it does bring up some It brings up some valid points for sure. Um, And some really good things to chew on. But I think there's a big leap between, you know, the relationship that she had with that guy she dated to jumping from that to porn is making us all into rough sex. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I first, like, found this article and, like, looked at the title, I was like, this seems like something I'm not going to agree with, but it'll Mm. cause a conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just because, yeah, I don't think porn should be blamed for these things just because of the nature of it and, like, how it comes about. So it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely something that we'd be curious to hear what other people's opinions are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if you've had any experiences, you can hit us up in the inbox. You can tweet at us. Tell us on Instagram. We're all I'm putting out. We're everywhere. <laughs> okay, we're going to jump into our main discussion, and we are so curious to hear all about Joanne's stories. Yeah, so Joanne, let's start off with asking, how did you find yourself abroad in the first place? What took you overseas? Um, in college, I studied abroad for a semester in the Netherlands. At the time, I was in a long-term, long-distance relationship with an Italian guy who lived in Italy, and so that's a part of the reason why I studied abroad in Europe, to kind of bring us closer together so we could be on the same continent. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. So whenever I would travel to different cities in Western Europe, he would meet up with me. It was very romantic and exciting. (laughs) Travel definitely reinvigorates relationships. Um... And then, after I graduated from college, I taught English in Seoul for two years. Um, A lot happened in those two years. Um, I came into it in that same long-term, long-distance relationship. He came and he lived with me there for several months. We broke up. I started dating a local Korean guy. And then he left. Um, And then I was single for the first time in years. Mm -hmm. In, uh, In like four years. So it was, like, so, time to let your hair down type yes. of vibe. So it was, like, exploring. I was totally alone, out of my comfort zone. There was nobody there to judge me. There was nobody mm-hmm. there to console me through my breakup. It was, like, for real, like, me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wild out. I used, I experimented. I was very excited to use dating apps because all of this technology was, like, brand new. Everyone was talking about it. Tinder, OkCupid. Um... So I was using those and I was casually hooking up with people quite often. (laughs) Um, So it was a lot of firsts for me. It was the first like life shattering breakup that I went through. It was my first time dating casually as an adult. Um, And all while this was happening, I was mostly alone. Again, out of my comfort zone in every way imaginable. And it was truly like... The best of times and the worst of times. Like, sometimes I look back on it and I feel nostalgic for it. Like, man, I was, like, a free bitch. (laughs) Like, I was living. And then other times I think about it and I was so depressed, so lonely, just trying to deal with 
I don't know, extreme loneliness and was feeling ashamed about what I was doing. Is Was I really enjoying this or am I just mm. doing this out of desperation and loneliness? Um, so it was like, okay, the best of times would be like hooking up with a hot stranger in a new city. Like that's, that's amazing. But then the worst of times would be like the flip side of that is like visiting a very stern male gynecologist who doesn't speak English very well mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in a conservative country. Right. Um, so, yeah, while I was teaching English, I traveled abroad every chance I could. So about every two months, I would visit a different city. I would travel And you were going boyfriend. throughout Asia? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I went alone, or I was with a group of girlfriends, or with other teachers, um, or solo, or I said that already, but um, with a boyfriend, mm-hmm. so... Cool. A lot of different experiences. So overall, like between all these different countries, were you mostly meeting people through those dating apps or were you looking at, are you, were you meeting people at bars? Were they fellow teachers of yours? Where were you meeting all these people? And like which methods were like your preferred way of like meeting people of all of them? Hmm. When I was newly single, I think I was like most excited to use Twitter Oh, no, not Twitter. Tinder. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like I No, um, I was, like, I was most Twitter excited hookup. to use Tinder mm-hmm. um, because it was this brand new thing. Everyone was talking about it. Um, I felt like, I kind of felt like I was missing out mm-hmm. um, on this cultural phenomenon. Um, so I, mo- I met a lot of guys through Tinder because it's so convenient and when you are alone you don't have any friends to meet people through. Um, you know, I wasn't like, I just broke up with my long-term boyfriend, so I wasn't confident enough to, you know, go to a bar and just start talking to guys and right. really putting myself out there. So Tinder and OkCupid were kind of convenient ways for me to kind of see what's out there and kind of like dip my toe in the pool being a single female yeah would you would you say that those apps are as popular like worldwide as they are like in the states like everybody's like oh my god tinder is like the hottest thing like would you say they're as like well-renowned or would you say it's a little more like of a niche community that no it's it's definitely a niche community okay um did you find was it were the people on tinder mostly like either travelers or like people for it so yeah um businessmen foreigners mostly yeah okay i don't know korean people are not really into online dating it's uh-huh. not a, as bi- not nearly as big of a thing there as it is here mm-hmm. that's still kind of taboo yeah. Um, in korea people mostly meet each other through friends and family so they're mm-hmm. like vetted <laughs> um, random encounters mm-hmm. don't really happen as casually as they do in Western culture. Um, so it's mostly very cultured Koreans or businessmen or travelers or English teachers. Okay. Okay. Um, did you ever encounter the kind of the stereotype that like American girls are easy? No, no. 
No, oh, really? really? That's okay. interesting. I never had to deal with that. Did you ever deal with that when you were abroad? Um, I didn't deal with that necessarily, mm-hmm. but I deal. I did deal with the whole like, oh my god, like you're so exotic, like type of oh, really? behavior. Sure. Yeah, that's that's so what where, I dealt where, with. Where did you deal um, with that? Primarily, it happened when I was in Italy. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, and it was very disturbing because I was like mm-hmm. 19. It was like my first time like being abroad, like yeah. as a quote unquote adult. And so it was very, like, uh, like these comments were just, like, coming at me, and I was like, I'm not appreciative of this. And, like, I didn't really know how to, like, handle myself because, like, I had never been to, like, a bar before. Like, mm-hmm. my first, like, times at bars were, like, in Europe, and I was like, how am I supposed to deal with this? Like, do I tell a friend? Like, what do I – do I slap him in the face? Like, yeah. according to movies, like, I'm supposed to, like, throw something at him. So do I do that? Like, so it was, like, very, like, bizarre. Yeah. And thankfully it only happened – like, I could – literally count on one hand how many times it happened thank god but like that's something I definitely encountered <laughs> well I, I have like there. two very different stories that relate to that when I was in Ireland um a couple times I was traveling around with one of my best friends and whenever we were in bars I mean this could just be drunk people but there were drunk guys who would come up to us and like assume because we were American that we would make out with each other like all the time. <laughs> like, sure they were like, Europe, oh, y'all are best friends. Like, don't you just want to make out with each other? Like, do you guys kiss it? Do you sleep naked in the bed together? Like, blah, blah. Like, the idea of, like, it's two American girls. It's the American movies. It was American pornos. Yeah, so, like American pie. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was so funny. And then in Israel, um, I had a few guys, like, when they were talking to us about the difference between, like, Israeli girls and American girls, they kept saying that, like, Israel, that, like, American girls are, like, more free or, like, more experimental or, like, like, more willing to give blowjobs, basically, rather than Israeli girls, which was really funny. And, but yeah, so it was, like, two (laughs) completely different countries, two completely different experiences, but it was just, like, interesting hearing what, like, other people thought about American girls. Yeah. Which apparently is that we make out with all of our friends and we'll happily suck a dick. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not, you know, this whole American girls are easy thing, like, totally comes from, like, our mainstream media. Like, you watch, like, American Pie or you watch, like, basically anything that comes on a trip or something. Or even, like, Gossip Girl. Like, you watch, like, this stuff and, like, these guys and girls alike are probably watching it and thinking, like, oh, Americans, like, yeah, they're willing to jump into bed with people and it's like, no. it's like a stereotype in your up like when you see a group of American girls Mm -hmm. out together Mm -hmm. and they're studying abroad like I'm sure that's like an easy target yeah it's even in um oh what's that amazing movie love actually when the British guy goes to America and he like meets all the hot blonde ladies in the bar and they're like oh we all sleep together in the same bed (laughs) and we we can't afford pajamas or like something ridiculous like that I'm like oh my god these Irish dudes had clearly just seen love actually that's probably what happened (laughs) around the holidays they watched a good old Christmas film um, and that's what they. That must I think have been there was, what it was. Um, a Vice article, or I don't know, but it was about how British guys will travel to America. Yes, for that sex was on Vice. I remember reading. It. Yeah, unofficial sex tourism. Yeah, yeah, totally. Basically. So they'll like pretend they work for GQ, but they're really just like <laughs> some random British. Dude. Some random British dude. And I think that's kind of and that also plays into like when we 
we're at a bar and a British guy walks in and he starts talking, like automatically there's this whole stigma of like, oh, he's like a prince or like he's like very high class. He's so James Bond. Yeah. yeah. He works, he tells me he works for GQ. Of course that's true. <laughs> and then like we want you to learn he's it. like. In a way we want to believe it because it's like a fantasy. Yeah. Well, it's the same expectations that are placed on, on us, us then probably. is that we're yes. these like free spirited sleep around kind of nymphs yeah nymphs. exactly we are nymphs. american nymphs <laughs> actually i like that american nymphs can we all go to europe and wear shirts that say that? <laughs> i really like that it's so funny okay so after you met these people on tinder okay cupid whatever mm-hmm. what was the courtship like did you find that you were like talking to them a long time before you met up was it like a quick to meet up what kind of what was like the pattern that you noticed the pattern was, I mean, we would talk on Tinder maybe for a couple of days. Then okay. if I was feeling it, I would suggest that we start texting on Kakao, which is like the WhatsApp of Korea. Right. Um, and then we would, after, shortly after that, we would set up a time to actually meet up, which usually involved going to a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was usually like, involved going to karaoke. Oh, <gasps> wait, that sounds amazing. <laughs> wait, what was your go-to, like, karaoke song during this period? Like, was there a song that you, like, pulled out of your back pocket when you were like, I know this is it. Like, I, I love it. Oh, my God, song. to, like, impress a guy? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I don't think about that because I genuinely just love to karaoke. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if I'm on a date. It doesn't matter, like, who I'm, if I'm with my coworkers. If I, like, have the mic in the karaoke room. It's going down. Okay. Um, I would amazing. say karaoke enthusiast. Seven, <laughs> seven days by Craig David is probably my favorite. Oh, song. that's a good one. Yeah, I just love that song. It's so easy to sing. Oh no, that's a good song. That's a really good choice. I don't think I've ever seen that at a karaoke place. It's like, always there. Oh. All right, we're doing karaoke. <laughs> we're time. doing karaoke. Next time. Um, okay, so these people that you were meeting, were you dating them? Was it just casual hookups? Um, anything serious come about it? Um, or were you still being wild, free, and single? I was being a free bitch. Um, I didn't expect. I mean, like it's very straightforward. It's very straightforward. Like, did you see people a guy twice? Would be like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like a German guy who is studying abroad in Seoul. We would meet up pretty often. Mm-hmm. We were fuck buddies for a while. Nice. Was it kind of a one dude at a time thing, or were you like, ex- no? Oh, sweet. Well, if they were like ready, get it, girl. That's awesome. <laughs> like, there's always someone on the back burner. You know? Brilliant. When plans fall through, it's like there's somebody else who will come through. Honestly, there was a point where I was, like, obsessed. I think, like, I was, I used Tinder and dating apps enough for the rest of my life. Like, I I feel like I don't need to be single ever again. (laughs) You had your time. I had my time there, and it was perfect because nobody was there to judge me. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't give a shit what my friends in Korea thought, and Mm -hmm. I was very open about it because it's like, I just met you. Two months ago. I really don't I feel like what yeah. <laughs> think about me. Yeah. Um, That's beautiful. It was beautiful. Like, it's amazing when you are, you don't feel like you have ties to anything there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you know that it's temporary. Like, at that point, I knew that my days in Korea were numbered. Right. So, this is the last chance I have 
to go back to where everything is familiar and I kind of feel, I don't know, I feel like when I'm back home in SoCal, I don't feel nearly as free. Yeah. And that, that's for no reason. That's just my own. Because you could exist here the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I could exist here the same way, but for whatever reason, it would be more challenging. Yeah. Psychologically. Yeah. I think it's challenging because like you said, like when you're abroad, you don't have like want your family like within a short distance or you like, you don't have like your super close friends, you know, it's just kind of like you have this like kind of free reign to like build this identity for yourself that like people necessarily don't know. And like it's yes, it's, I don't. You have just to like check you can rebrand. No yeah, one's there exactly. To, you know, your mom isn't calling anything. you every night, like being like, "Hey, honey, what are you doing?" Yeah, you know. So it's like you just have this chance to like build an identity that's like not what you usually would be when you're like close to home, which yes. is different. Um. So I have to ask: Was the sex good? Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. What, who, okay, so... The best, okay, yeah, who's the I best? just have to say yeah, this. The best, the best was... Can you give us, the like, German, top three? Okay, let's Top three. Let her think about that. Okay. But the best was the German exchange student uh-huh. who was studying at Yonsei. Who you saw multiple times. Who I saw multiple times. Uh-huh. Funny story. So, uh, my good friend from San Diego was visiting me. Two of my good friends from San Diego were visiting me in... Soul and staying with me and she worked for a skate a skating company for a very long time and so she knew like that brand's corporate okay in Asia and okay. he was in town for this like skating this like international like skating event okay he was in a skater Seoul at the same time all right um and so the skate team for that brand was happened to be in Seoul at the same time as us. So he was like, hey, come out and hang out with us. And so we ended up hooking, me and my friend ended up hooking up with two of those pro skaters in their hostel. <laughs> of course. It was very, it was very broad city. Like I was, okay. I think I remember I was on my period and I, I didn't care. I didn't say anything. And I was hooking up with the guy, that. and I, like, in the hostel shower. This is the most, like, this is why you don't fucking date skaters. <laughs> this is okay if you're single and you're hooking up with them, but yeah. um, in Ali Wong's um, Netflix stand-up special, she says, if you're a grown-ass woman, you don't date skaters, and that is so true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, we're hooking up in the hostel shower, and I, like, took my tampon and I threw it out the window. <laughs> Probably landed on somebody's car. That's amazing. And the sex wasn't even good, but it was just so fun and memorable, and he was so hot. (laughs) (laughs) That I will... And it was just such a bonding moment for me and my friend. Uh Mm Uh-huh. I think they hooked up in the actual, like, dorm, like, bunk bed Mm -hmm. room (laughs) with the other skaters... Like, like still, there. still there sleeping. Brilliant. That's great. But that same night that we met up with them, I was also meeting up with um, a guy I had been talking to on Tinder. Okay. And I obviously did not end up going home with him that night. Um, but we kept in touch, 
even though I totally, like, rejected him that night at the club for the skater, and he watched the whole thing <laughs> oh, went down. Oh, my God. Um, but then we still ended up talking. Like, he still was down to, like, keep talking to me, and we ended up being fuck buddies for a while, and he, I've never... This was the German guy? Yes, okay. this was the German guy. And he was, like, very basic. Like, he was okay. not... He was kind of, like, short. He was he was handsome and he was well-built, but he was nothing, like, special. Okay. Um, but I think that's why he was so good. Like, he felt like he had to try. Really <laughs> hard, I guess. Like, he didn't have he a was big like, dick at all. He was, like, But it didn't even matter. It was it just so good. Matter. It was just so good because he, like, knew he what was to do very attentive and he knew what to do. Um, he... I had to stop him from eating me out. He, all right. That's doing God's work. Doing God's work. (laughs) (laughs) For real. All right, so you gave us your funniest. You gave us one of your best. What's another one? Or one of your worst. Or one of your worst. Oh, God. Oh, my God, the worst. The worst is when nothing happens. The worst is when you go on a Tinder date and you get dressed up and you go out (laughs) And it's like, why did I waste my makeup for this boring <laughs> as fuck? Why did piece I of shit? waste my makeup? That's hilarious. Joanne, you are a woman after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> why did I bother? Why did I even get out of sweatpants? Why? <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. That's amazing. Um, the worst was probably a really aggressive Spanish guy who mm. kept um insisting that we fuck without a condom and mm. I was not about that life uh-uh. um, the last thing you want to do when you are abroad alone is contract a venereal disease or get into any kind of medical situation yeah, yeah totally. I do not want that to happen at all there's going to be no one there to take care of you you're in a foreign country you don't know what the fuck the nurses are talking about mm-hmm. that was smart of you for sure yeah so that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I made, I, did, I kicked him out. Yeah, Good for you. Good. Yes. Yeah, as Absolutely. you should have. Yeah. So, did you notice any kind of differences between the different kinds of people that you were hooking up with, like in terms of like courting style or sex style or anything like that? Hmm. I don't know. I think the internet and apps are like the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it doesn't matter. Like, where you come from, if you're on a dating app, everyone's pretty much implicitly there for the same reasons. Right, um, okay. Typically what happens with a Korean guy is that you'll meet up, you'll eat dinner, um, and then you, from dinner, you go to another bar after that, and then after that, you go to another bar and maybe have, like, fried chicken and beer and then from there you go to karaoke and from there you go to another bar and it's like non-stop it's like multiple step dating yes whoa and then and it's like home and at the end of the night the chase. <laughs> yeah like that's a lot that's of a work. long ritual yes that's a lot of work for like very, a makeout or something yes it's very ritualistic basically my experience with korean men is that you just keep drinking and drinking and drinking until you're completely Wasted. Wasted, Mm -hmm. and you don't know what you're doing. And that's not enjoyable to me. I'm not a big drinker, Um, especially with men that I 
have just met or am trying to get to know. Right. Um, so I don't really like that. I think it's just because, I don't know, I think, and this might be offensive, but I think with Koreans, they might be so uptight about dating that it, they go through all those rituals with alcohol involved to slowly but surely let their guard down mm-hmm. and that lose their inhibitions. Mm. Interesting. That is interesting. Hmm. Okay, so what would you say is, like, the hottest story that you have from all of these experiences? Or, like, the hottest experience? The hottest experience. Um, I was in Cambodia in at Angkor Wat for New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and I was there for about five days, and I was traveling alone. Angkor Wat is just so beautiful. It's a magical place. You mm-hmm. need to go there before you die. Um, you need to see the sunrise there, and you need to see the sunset, and just explore alone, and take in all the beauty and the nature, and think about how much time has passed there, and all the horrible shit that happened there. Um, So I think when you're traveling abroad, you do a lot of soul searching and you kind of become fearless and you know what you want and you become really good at reading situations and you're more vulnerable. So it's a lot easier to make connections with people very quickly that would pretty much be impossible Mm -hmm. if you're at home. Um, But anyway, so I was at... Angkor Wat and it was sunset and it was New Year's Eve I was alone I was so fucking depressed because I hadn't met anyone at my hostel Mm -hmm. which was like the main social um, place when I was traveling solo Um, I was like this is the most this is gonna be the most depressing New Year's Eve ever but I was walking around Angkor Wat it was sunset and I was just checking out this guy in the distance and while I was, like, taking a selfie with myself, I was actually just, like, checking him out. <laughs> um, and then um, I went back to the hostel feeling so sad. But I remember, man, that guy was so cute. I should have went up to him and talked to him because we made eye contact for, you know, a good, like, three seconds. And you feel something, but you're too shy to say anything or do anything about it. So you just walk on and pretend that that didn't happen mm-hmm. right and so I go to my hostel and I get ready anyway because I'm like fuck this I'm going out like I didn't come here to just lay in my house and be a loser this is so embarrassing mm-hmm. um and then I even though I travel alone so much it's still so hard to go to bars alone as a woman I don't know it's just I always I always did it but it was never it's always something that I have to, I feel like I have to force myself to do. You feel like you had to set yourself up for yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So as soon as I walk out of, as soon as I walk out of, like, my dorm room in the hostel, at the end of the hall, that same guy was, like, walking down the stairs, and he turns and he immediately recognizes me. He's like, hey, I saw you in front of the temple today. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, I remember you. And he's like, do you want to come hang out with me and my friends? And I was like... Yeah, absolutely. And so... Yeah. You're like, you're fine as hell. Yeah. And it turns out that he... um, 
he studied in my hometown and he's also from California and we had all of these things in common. He was teaching English in Vietnam and uh, we just hit it off and we spent the rest of the night together. Um, we got wasted. It was Siem Reap, like the whole city became like one huge club. Mm-hmm. It's, it wasn't just like, you know, the, lo- the tourists who came out. It was like all the locals of every single age. It was beautiful. The thing in Cambodia is to like throw powder in the air okay. for New Year's Eve. And there's all of these like neon lights. So it's very crowded and sweaty and surreal. And then it was midnight and I wasn't sure if anything was going to happen between us because he was still hanging out with all of his friends. But we ended up making out and then um, he asked me if I wanted to like get away from the crowd. So we ended up just walking around the city like on the outskirts of Pub Street, which is where all the partying is. And... We had street food and talked about our experiences, how we ended up in Asia teaching English and what our future plans are and just holding hands and making out. And we actually didn't have sex. And that's probably my favorite story. That's pretty adorable. Well, that's really awesome. So, (laughs) intimacy and romance um, just for a night. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's my hottest story. Like a real human connection. Yes. That's really cute. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to head out and go to Cambodia. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys can finish this up alone. (laughs) I'm going to go pack. That's funny. Anyway, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with our advice and opinions in our closing activity. Hey, all you listeners, we just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us on Twitter at I'm Putting Out. Or you can hit us up on Gmail at I'm Putting Out at gmail.com. Or come to our website at I'm Putting Out.tumblr.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and hear your questions and concerns. Let's get back to the sexy stuff. We are back. So, after that amazing storytelling, we're going to launch into our advice and opinion section where we take listener submitted questions and we give you our two cents. So, thanks to everybody for submitting your questions. Um, and if you ever have any, you can hit us up on Twitter or on email and let us know what's on your mind because, well, we want to help <laughs> by telling you to talk about it. But, before we launch into that hashtag part, talk about it. hashtag you better talk about it. Um, so our first question says, I'm a big casual dater. I love the feeling of a first date. Excited to see someone brand new and flirt pretty much without risk. Lately, I've noticed that I enjoy this ritual a bit too much to the point by where the third date I'm bored and ready to meet someone else. My friends think I don't give anyone a fair chance because I'm so quick to move on. Is this something I should be trying to change? Is it a big deal? Hmm. I think it's okay to date casually. I think so too. I think if you're happy, 
you know, then yeah, there's no shade in that. There's nothing inherently wrong with that if you're not hurting anyone's feelings and if you're not stringing anyone along. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like you're you. not stringing anyone along because you do move on really quickly. I mean, exactly. unless you're just like ghosting on these people. In yeah. In which case, that's not super cool. Ghosting but is I like But I think as long right. as you're like bowing out respectfully, then that's fine. Yeah. As long as you're not holding any false pretenses and you're being honest yeah, um, and there's it's, nothing wrong with that. It's called casual dating for a reason. Like you're dating casually, you're like seeing all these different people because you haven't found anyone who's worthwhile for sticking around like after the third date. So it's just kind of like I, I find no shade in this. Don't I think let it's okay. like your friends' expectations of you should be dating to be in a relationship or you should be dating to have something long term. Like decide how you want to be living your love life. Exactly. You know. So. Question, is this a big deal? Answer, no. No. But is it a big deal to you? Because if you, but then again, you could be just internalizing what your friends are saying. Yeah. I I think it might be a little internalization, but yeah, girl, just date or boy, what does it say? Um, Girl, boy, date. See see people who you want to see. Have fun. Like dating's supposed to be a fun experience. Mm -hmm. If it starts bothering you personally, then maybe you can think about trying something different. Or giving people a fourth date. But until then, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. And also, if your friends are, like, giving you shit about it, then I think it's time... If it's bugging you this much, it's probably time to check them and to be like, yo, like, I'm seeing people because I want to be seeing people. Like, stop giving me shit for it. Like, you know, it's just like... Yeah. They can't judge you. So, yeah, I... I, This is not a big deal. Yeah, it's them, girl. It's not you. (laughs) You do you, boo. You do you, (laughs) All right. Our next question is, for the first time in a while, I've been dating this really nice guy. It's no secret amongst my friends that I tend to date assholes, and this guy has been a breath of fresh air for me. We have great chemistry, but one problem has recently come to the surface. He's a virgin. I'm not one to judge anyone based on their beliefs, so I've been cool with the news thus far. However, I'm starting to get a little tense, so to speak. It's great to date such an amazing guy, but the lack of physical intimacy is starting to get to me. What should I do? Should I hang on and keep seeing him, or is this or is this one, do I need to cut him loose? I mean, is he worth it? Yeah. If he's worth it, then yes. Wait. Hang on. But also, you have to, I would wonder is he a virgin because he's like saving it for marriage or yeah, is he well, that's true. Why a virgin is he a just because it hasn't happened yet because mm-hmm. I feel like if it just hasn't happened yet that's not as big of a deal but if this if his virginity is something that he's like holding on to for a purpose or for a reason you need to have a very serious conversation with yourself about whether or not like that's something you're open to yeah. that's something you're willing to wait for that's something you're interested in waiting for the like, questions is their beliefs so I'm assuming it has ties to something like that Right. In which case, it's if he's, like, held on for this long, he's probably going to keep holding on to his virginity because it's something he values. Um, which, in that case, it's, like, no shade to that. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, if physical intimacy is, like, this important to you, it's something that you're obviously not going to get from this person. I just think that, like, sexual fulfillment is something that is extremely important in a relationship. And yeah. I feel like... Um, and it's obvious Being that like with yourself. this listener values that as well. So yeah. it's like if you if you do value it as much as this question implies for you to, I just think that like you need to put put that first. 
Like, I don't think you need to sacrifice, like, what you believe or, like, what you, ha- like, hold high in a priority of a relationship for this person. I agree. As harsh as that may seem. But yeah. that's, like, the reality of the situation, which is a sucky one. And I wish we could say, hey, maybe you should talk to him about it and convince him to do things. But, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't think you should be trying to, like, compromise his morals like yeah. he's obviously picked things for a reason and yes. like whether or not you, you should agree accept with that people reason, as they are yeah i totally yeah. agree and i think like whether or not you agree with that reason that's probably not something that he's gonna sway on and i don't think mm-hmm. you should be the person to even try to um because god forbid something to, were to happen and then he regrets it and he resents you or anything like that but i think like being extremely realistic with what you need in a relationship and whether or not this is something that he can provide or that you're willing to put off is like a serious question it's a very serious question yeah yeah it sucks but i think cut him loose i mean you could still be friends (laughs) or yeah you can enjoy you can learn to enjoy (laughs) uh fiona's very cynical about the friends aspect a lot of straight male friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry <laughs> that this answer was so brief. Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's up to you. Do you value him or do you value the sexual fulfillment in your life? Hmm. Is anyone worth compromising your sexual fulfillment for? I... You know what? Like, I personally think that this is, like, one of my fears is, like, to start dating someone or seeing someone that I'm, like, really into and then it turns out, like, I don't know how I would even end up in this situation, but, like, it's just, like, one of those, like, irrational fears that you have where it's, like, you're seeing someone and then they turn out to be, like, super, like, waiting for it and I'm, like, wait, what? Like, because I'm one, like, first or second date, you know? So, like, I think that's just, like, one of my fears, and it's like, oh, God. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, it, with expecting sex in a relationship. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I also don't think that there's anything wrong with not expecting that or expecting to not have it. I think sometimes people, like, are looking for two different things, and that's a bummer, but it's not the end of the world. Chances are there's tons of other people who are looking for something closer to what you want. There are a lot of people looking for sex in the world. Don't worry. <laughs> so it'll be okay but yeah be friends you know go to get dinner every now and then and be amicable but the romantic aspect of this relationship may not flourish yeah to its utmost ability speaking of people wanting to have sex all over the world we were going to do (laughs) a closing activity but Joanne's got a few more stories for us, and we think we would rather hear those. And listeners, you know how much Fiona and I love stories, and we love people telling them. So, like, who are we to say no when Joanne, when we took a break, was like, oh, but I didn't tell this story or this story. So, Joanne, we're just going to pass the mic over to you for a little storytelling. We're going to get it blanket okay well like i was telling you guys before i made a really quick list of cities i went to and the men that i met in those cities um you will never know 
how you'll meet someone when you're traveling solo. That's the beautiful thing. You end up meeting a lot less people when you're traveling with a group of friends um, or your family, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, I went on a hostel tour group to the Great Wall of China, and this it was like a tour bus that like picked people up from like different hotels all around Beijing, and. I was the first person picked up from my shitty hostel, and then and then the bus went to like the Beijing Grand Hilton, and um, the only person who came out from there is this guy who was a Harvard Law student nice. studying abroad in Hong Kong and was in Beijing just for the weekend alone, and we really hit it off. Um, I could tell that it was someone that I would definitely be friends with or be very flirty with if we had met in the States. And then we ended up, after the Great Wall of China, went home. Um, we were supposed to meet up that night because that was Halloween. And then we didn't actually end up meeting up because it's really hard to meet up in a city without a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> and without Facebook because there's no Facebook in, in China. China. Yeah, it's true. Um, so we missed each other, and that was like probably one of the more depressing Halloweens of my life. Um, but then the next night we met up, and he, we ended up back at his hotel in the Grand Hilton, which was like a huge. His suite was a huge step up from my shitty hostel. <laughs> bottom bunk bed so i just loved that i loved the view i loved having sex in the morning with the sunrise over beijing and um we still keep in touch and he ended up visiting me in seoul and we had a great time there too so shout out to him wherever he is (laughs) (laughs) that's so fun shout out to the hilton what was it the grand hilton the grand hilton in beijing shout out to it goes harvard get it yes (laughs) i was like if this is if there is any time to trap someone and get (laughs) pregnant this is (laughs) but that didn't happen Uh, (laughs) disclaimer Disclaimer, Joanne does not have any children. <laughs> okay, Tim is not a baby. Don't day. get an IUD in a foreign country. Hmm. Especially in foreign countries where they don't give out pain medication. That was a horrible experience. Oh my god, you went through that? Yes. I was completely I had an IUD inserted um, when I was in Seoul and I was completely alone. And they don't believe, they don't really give out, like, Vicodin or any kind of, like... Like, for anything. For anything. For anything. You, when you get your wisdom teeth pulled out there, like, you just have local anesthesia, that's it. You don't go under. Like, they... It's such an advanced country, but they're very... They gave me nothing. They gave me Tylenol. When I got mine here, and they gave me, they, like... They gave you really numb, strong they, drugs, they, right? they gave me a shot in my vagina, basically, to, like, numb everything out. No, I went in that, like... Oh, God. That's crazy. As sober as a flower, like... Oh, baby. I'm so and sorry. And then I walked home alone. Luckily, my apartment wasn't too far from my gynecologist, and I felt like I was going to pass the fuck out. Oh, totally. And I still had to go to work the next day. I was in bed the entire day, and I had drugs. It was the most painful fucking experience 
of my fucking life. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> do it before you leave, ladies. Do it, do it in a country leave. where they give you <laughs> pain medication med. and where the doctor speaks English very well. Um, okay, I guess the next story I want to tell is about a guy who I met on OkCupid and um, didn't really expect it to go anywhere, but we just started mes- messaging out of complete boredom because he was in Japan. He was teaching English in Japan and I was teaching English in Seoul. So it was true. It wasn't, neither of us went into it like, oh, I'm actually going to meet up with this person or I'm actually going to get something out of this. But we deeply connected in a way that I've never connected with anyone that quickly before. We just had so many shared interests in music and in books and in travel and where we wanted to be after this stage in our lives and talking about how lonely we were and um, how if we believe that this experience is going to be meaningful in the future. Um, And we ended up talking, talking every day online, which is like the Japanese WhatsApp, to FaceTiming, um, sending each other nudes, <laughs> <laughs> just sexting all day, every day. Right. It was very hot, but I mean, again, I we never thought that it would end up going anywhere, but he said, would you want to come visit me mm-hmm. in my town in Japan? And I said, okay, let's split the plane ticket, and it's a two-hour flight from Seoul, so it's not a big deal at all. So we ended up meeting up. The only time we were talking for two months, and then we only got to meet up together for th- about three days, and it was like a movie. It was we were talking the whole time. We had amazing sex. I mean, we had been thinking about. We had been languishing for each other for like two months, totally. and it all came to. It all came to this amazing climax in his small countryside town in Japan. And I remember one of my most romantic memories was just being on the train with him from his town to the major town in that prefecture um, where the airport was. And we were so tired that we couldn't have a conversation, but we just made eye contact with each other on the train for the longest time until we both fell asleep. And um, and after that, he just stopped talking to me entirely. <gasps> and it was so hurtful. Wow. It was so hurtful. It was like, oh I think, God. I mean, I understand he was doing it to protect himself. Uh-huh. And like he liked you too much or something? Yeah, I think we both liked each other too much, but I mean, I went back to America and he plans on staying in Japan for the next year or two. Um, So I was really hurt by that. Really, really hurt by that. Um, But then he ended up, we're we're still in contact now, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think think what he did was healthy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But at the time, it it hurt. Yeah, it yeah. really stung. Oh my god, That's intense! And then to it was go very back... intense. It was a very oh my god. And to go emotionally back to intense relationship. And you're like alone, and like you're coping with that is just like 
so intense. Like, you don't just have your girlfriend. Yeah, and this is someone who I was only physically with for three days. Mm -hmm. That just goes to show you how much, like, emotional intensity you can build up without Mm -hmm. ever seeing a person, like, face-to-face. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so lucky I never got catfished. Trust, <laughs> trust your instincts when you're al- when you're traveling alone. Trust your instincts. Don't drink too much, mm-hmm. and you won't get in trouble. Okay, so quick question. This kind of goes back to the IUD question, but if you were abroad, was it easy to find like the morning after pill and things like that? Like, in or did you just use condoms? Yeah, and or was trust it like that? Condoms all the way. Well, I always carry condoms with you wherever you go. Don't. Expect that he will have condoms. Don't assume he'll be down to use condoms. You gotta look out for yourself. Mm-hmm. You only have yourself at the end of the day. Um, so, True. I would always use condoms. Um, in the times that I felt paranoid, I did use the morning after pill in Korea. And you have to go to a gynecologist and get a prescription, and then go to, to the pharmacy. The pharmacy, and that was so embarrassing. Wow. Because just knowing that culture, mm-hmm. when you are, you can read the body language after... You tell them what you need. You tell them what you need. But, it's, like, thank God you just said, fuck it, I have to do what I have to yeah, do. Yeah, thank you God know? it was affordable. Yeah. 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 And it's available. Yeah, very um, true. But... Oh, yeah, yeah thank I don't God recommend. it's available either. Yeah. yeah. Like, fuck, that would be insane. I don't know if I would engage in these behaviors if I was in um, a place where medical treatment wasn't so available. Mm-hmm. Well, something serious to think about. No, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, always got to think of the consequences. Oh, and I guess I want to close out with my <laughs> last story. Which is how I met my current boyfriend um, while well, we both were teaching English in Korea at the same time. And then we never messaged each other on OkCupid, even though we liked each other. And we were like each other's top match for forever. And on, we, we didn't do that until we didn't message each other until we were back in America. And again, we from... Okay, Cupid, we started talking on cacao, and then from cacao, we started FaceTiming, and then it was just like, fuck it, let's meet up. I'm in a really, we're, we were both in really weird stages of reverse culture shock, coming mm-hmm. back home, back to America. not having a job, not having any prospects. You feel like you've changed, but your family and your friends and everything else has pretty much stayed the same. And Mm -hmm. they don't actually... People don't actually give a shit about what you went through or how you've changed. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would connect a lot. We connected about that a lot. And we were like, fuck it. He was in Ohio. I was in Southern California. And we met up in Denver, which is perfect because we both love... We both love to smoke, and <laughs> we hadn't smoked for two years in Asia, so we were high the entire time, so high that I couldn't remember how to ride a bike, and <laughs> we both made the decision that we wanted to stay with each other, so after that, we met up again in Mexico City and traveled around there together, 
and he moved here to LA and we're living together now a year later holy so, crap happy ending yay oh. <laughs> you never know you, you never, never know, know. What can happen. yeah that's really cute that's amazing well joanne thank you so much for coming on we love having you on Telling thanks for you. listening to my rambling oh no, that's amazing. amazing we love story time so it's so great to have somebody come on and just kind of share their experience and so many good stories to tell so many great stories um so yeah Thank you for listening to Putting Out, everyone. We will hopefully be back on a regular schedule, but as you know, this is a pet project. Yeah, we have <laughs> we have lives outside of this, so it's a little hard to get things together sometimes, but don't worry. We're going to keep dishing you guys some episodes. We have some really cool ones lined up. And we are always future. available on Instagram or Twitter if you need to get your Putting Out fix. We're I'm Putting Out. Exactly. All right. So we're signing off for this time, and until next time, bye. Bye.